Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Nick Golner, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jim Carr and Jason Zenger. What's up, guys? How you doing, Nick? Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, was, you, you've been I, I missed a couple man. episodes. It's all good. Did we, you miss we, me? We got you. I, we did miss you, actually. We did miss you. But that's okay. I'm glad you're back. You needed to go on that sales trip, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was important. And it was successful, too, right? Very successful. And there's some new Making Chips opportunities, too, which which could be cool. Awesome. They, people I, like our animations. We make some pretty sweet animations. So. We do. We do. I've seen it. Crystal's killing it. Yeah, she is. Hopefully, with my absence, the downloads didn't suffer too badly. We know this is all about results. Right. No, actually, the results have been looking very good lately. Good. We had a big day last week in, in one-day downloads, and I'm happy. Maybe I should leave more often. <laughs> no, you don't. Please don't. Today, we're going to talk a lot about results, key results and metrics as it relates to sales, so I'm excited to get into it. The numbers don't lie, right, Nick? They do not lie. They do not lie. So we always start with a positive kickoff. Jim, I know you've experienced a lot of loss lately. You covered I have. it on the episode. Yep. But I always admire your optimistic attitude on things. Thank you. Thank you. So what's keeping you optimistic at Car Machine and Tool this week? Business is thriving. We're very blessed that we've gained some new customers in some new industries. And it's no secret that we bought a significantly larger building that's just two blocks away from where we're at right now and a growth trajectory right now. And I'm not gonna lie, it's a little it's a little intimidating. But you know what? You got to try. If everybody's on board and everyone's got the mindset that this is the time to do it and we're collaborative and our in our team, then must be time. And at least I tried. That's all I can say. And you showed us the concepts for the new building. I did. It's going to look sharp. Thank you. Very, Thanks. Very, very excited about it. Yeah, it looks cool. So, Nick, tell us what's going on at the Boring Bar, please. There's well, a lot of good, a lot of good things happening. Yeah, everything's ships, right? exciting as it relates to the boring bar right now. We have a lot of transition. We do. Unfortunately, our writer of the boring bar, who we've all come to love, Christine uh, Schmitz, she's my she lady. is transitioning into a really exciting new opportunity that we can't say a lot about yet. I'm gonna miss her. I know she was awesome. The good news is making chips continues to grow. The boring bar lives on, and we are hiring one or maybe two new positions. So if you're a creative that loves this industry or loves the idea of communicating to manufacturing leaders in a way that would equip and inspire them, we want you to reach out to us and connect with us. Absolutely. How do they, how do, they do that? They can go to our website, to okay. the career section of our website. Sure. They can look any of us up on LinkedIn, shoot us a message letting us know why they feel they'd be a good candidate to work at Making Chips. And just lastly, before we move on, again, they have to be a creative. They have to know the industry. What? What? Give me three characteristics of the people that we're looking for. Well, they should have writing skills. So yeah, there's technical characteristics, of course. We want someone who can write, someone who maybe has a background in design. Can someone, tell a compelling story. Yeah, storytelling is a really important 
attribute. And then, of course, there's... Some manufacturing experience exactly. would be helpful. I mean, that would be ideal. And it, they need to have values? a strong digital quotient oh, as well. Of you know, yes. it, it, it can't be lost around the internet. And then, of course, our Their core definition values. of digital isn't a pen and a paper. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then they need to meet our core values. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of table stakes for anybody exactly. that's going to be on our team is that you, you have to have the core values. You have to GWC the job, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it for, it. for those that don't follow the EOS. But yeah, just some of our core values would be being a passionate craftsman. So you may not actually make parts or have made parts in the past, but you have to be passionate about You should be about passionate about, yeah, about what we do. Whatever it is that, that, that you specialize in, we want to know that there's an authentic passion there and that you don't just clock in and clock out. Another one would be we want people who are content cultured. So right, that's a good one. They understand, okay, there's a story here. Even if you're talking about a precision machining of some obscure part that no one knows what it is, there's a story behind sure. it. That's kind of what we're looking for in, in prospective team members. Thank you. But you mentioned that you're starting to get some really exciting new orders. I am. Things are. I think everyone would agree. I know before we hit the record button today, the three of us were saying in our respective manufacturing companies that we are seeing things that are up, yes. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that out of all of us, I probably have the broadest pulse around I, the manufacturing industry. I would definitely industry, agree. You know, and we're definitely seeing sales starting to go up, which is encouraging because things were a little scary there for a while. And and I think a lot of it is overblown in my personal opinion. And I think that I'm happy to see people starting to get back to work, unemployment numbers starting to go back down. You could say employment numbers starting to go up. Or that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that works too. <laughs> Either one of those. But so what do you think was overblown? Just the well, medial, just media think, sensationalism? Yeah, the media, you know, the media is not our friend. And I think that... <laughs> not our friend to manufacture, or just general... Pop. Just in general, you know, like I think they sensationalism have a, was a good word. Yeah, yeah, they have an agenda. And, well, they're trying know, to sell, right? They're trying to sell. So it yeah, kind of this I mean, goes back to we, we've talked about this on making chips a lot before. How do you get if you're a weatherman? How do you get people to by to tornado? Tornado. A tornado? Exactly. We're gonna have Bingo. 24 inches of snow overnight. Bingo. The and then the tornado is gonna down, hit right? the snow. Right. And everything's yeah, gonna freeze. Exactly. So <laughs> I mean, but and so it's the same thing with any kind of media or anything like that. It's it's the same reason why if you're online, you see these sensations sensationalist headlines like people want 10 million the media, covid positive cases like, last night it, it, it goes it goes back Whoa. to follow the money you know what i mean and sure. the media gets paid by having eyeballs by getting advertisers sure and so the way sure. to get people to tune in is by sensationalizing everything we can't just shut down society so people need to get back to work and so we need to protect the people that are most vulnerable through this whole situation too but we need to do it in an intelligent and a wise manner yeah journalistic integrity Ooh, yeah, that's, that's important. Well, there's yeah. none of that hardly left exactly. out there. But I, I've been doing, you know, doing some listening on a podcast that that I tune into regularly, where the host, his wife, is studying the Black Plague right now, and like that was a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when forty yeah. percent of people were dying. But yeah. like we just need to be smart about exactly. what's going on nowadays. Yeah. To me, a good journalist can write a compelling tagline that makes someone want to click, and then actually have what you read in that article be true yeah Sub- i just support. I, I, I don't see that truth coming through in 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 a lot of channels you yeah. know i don't think they know what the truth is because all they can well, do is problem. report on what they hear right yeah that's a problem but how, how do they validate what they how do they validate well, that used to be part of that quickly, journalistic they quickly because news is moving so quickly yeah, they, I'm, I'm not sticking up for the media but i'm just trying no. to have sympathy to what they do 
Yeah. Because it, they, I don't know they, the people have sympathy with because there used to be a thing called journalistic integrity, like Nick was talking about. We're used to, you have to vet what you were proclaiming to your audience. And that was an important, that was, that was actually the number one most important thing about being a journalist is that you stated things that you could support. Nowadays, it doesn't even matter anymore. It went from being number one to like, almost completely disbanded. There's that old adage, if your mother tells you she loves you, check it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it probably used to be a journalist. Like, That's like adage. a mantra yeah. for journalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's like, if you hear a rumor, tell it to everybody. Right. You and know? I think, and it, since and we're going to talk about... tells you numbers, like don't even worry about checking whether they're true or not. Exactly. Right. And speaking of numbers, I think the metrics and we're going to talk a lot about net metrics today people understand like if i write a sensationalized headline it gets more clicks and sure does. i get you know judged by my boss at whatever publication i work for on how many readers i can yeah. get how many people can like visit this page and yeah. what do we got for manufacturing yeah let's news talk today. about the news T- today's news of course is like everything in this episode all about metrics and numbers and it's exciting so from, it is. Is it Reuters? Is that how you say yeah, it? Reuters? Is. It is. U.S. manufacturing activity hits a 14-month high. It rebounded in June, hitting its highest level in more than a year as the broader economy reopened. But rising COVID-19 infections threatened the recovery. So the Institute for Supply Management, yep. ISM, said on Wednesday that its index of national factory activity jumped to a reading of 52.6 last month from 43.1 That's in May. awesome. That's really good. I did not know it was, it was that good. The strongest since April 2019. Wow. Ended three straight months of contraction. So we've talked about this. Is it a U-shaped recovery? Is it a V-shaped recovery? And you know, who so knows? Jim, Jim, I know like you, a, you've been studying this for decades. What does that 52.6 and the 43.1 mean? Like, how do they well, get those numbers and what do so, they mean? So, uh, first of all, Nick, I love that you pulled this article because my da- every month my dad used to come in and say, oh, right, you mentioned the that, yeah. managers. Uh, I used to hear it. I used to hear it every month. But... I know that if the reading is over 50, that means we're growing right. the economy. That's what I know. I, I know that 50 and over is really good. Yes. So 50 from 43.1 to 52.6 is huge. And I, I, I only know what this article is telling me. That was but a good Donald Trump impression, Jim. <laughs> it's, it's huge. It's excellent. The best ever. 52.6 last month. These are month. the best numbers that I created. <laughs> exactly. So 52.6, so just above 50. And obviously, it's been contracting in the three months prior. So now it's starting to to grow again. And that's what everybody's hoping for, Good. right? Well, I see that, and you see that, and Jason sees that. So we approve. So, Jim, you did a great President Trump impression. What do you yes, think I about did. Kanye announcing that he's going to run for president? I heard that he said that just to get some PR because he's going to have a new album coming out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of theories on what Kanye does. He's got his own take on the national anthem. Yes, he does. <laughs> it's it's going to be a hip hop song. It just it just goes to show you. There's no bad PR, right? That's what they say. So it's growing again. Things are moving. Maybe it's because sales guys. That's what sales guys would like you to believe. You know what sales guys are best at selling? Themselves. Themselves. Yeah. And their sales skills. Exactly. But at the end of the day, sales is a results-based profession. Yes, it is. So it's most of your compensation is likely tied to your results. Performance equals compensation, right? Yeah, that in a sales 95% role. of it, right? Well, one of the ways that a consultant, who, I didn't engage with him, but he told me the best way to know whether you have good salesmen or bad salesmen is whether they want fixed or variable pay. 
Oh. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a high risk, high reward situation. If you say, okay, give me a smaller base salary and a higher commission percentage, right. you're betting on yourself and your ability to sell. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't mean that necessarily straight commission is the best way to go. But if somebody doesn't want any kind of variability, then you might have a problem. Well, there's a lot of things that as a salesperson, you can't control. So you can't control, in many cases, the production capacity of your shop. In many cases, you don't really have any influence over the quality of the product that that ships out. You can't make somebody buy from you. Exactly. You, <laughs> you can't can just make somebody. Them. You can. That's all. That's all. It's, a, it's and about. And ultimately, the point I'm trying to make here is that you can't manage the results. So it's a results based profession, but you can't manage the results. Yeah, like I've been trying to sell Jim turning tools for years, and he won't buy them from me. Because I didn't have a turning center until exactly. three months ago. <laughs> so that's a good point there. So he couldn't control that, right? No, he, he, couldn't, he could not control it. But sales can be managed. And I found an excellent way to lead my sales meetings that actually drives results. And that's Let's what I do wanted it. to Let's talk about. Let's hear it. I'm, but first, before I dive into mine, I wanted to learn a little bit about how you guys run your sales meetings with your team. Let's start with you, Jason. I mentioned before, my, my wife and I kind of tag team on some of the sales management and the two of us are getting back into actually managing sales a little bit more. We have people who are account- we have two individuals at Black who are accountable for as field sales guys are out in the field all the time, and then we have four individuals at at Zengers who are field salespeople. But we're looking at our sales management from a more holistic standpoint, and we're 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 trying to do sales contests with the entire team. Ooh, so, cool. like as an example, last night Chad, who is our warehouse manager, called me up on my cell phone. He's like, "I got a sales lead." He was like, "He's like, can I give you the information?" I was like, "Well, Amanda's handling that, so contact her." But he did. But he, she's gotten everybody excited about this sales contest. So cool. that's one of the first things that we we just started doing is like we're looking at our entire team and saying, "How can we get everybody on the team?" engaged in the sales. Yeah, process. you've said it a lot. You know, everyone is in sales. Everybody's in sales in, to in a some capacity. Degree. Yeah. So what what do you win if you win the contest? Can you say? Uh, it's cash prize. Oh, great. Yeah. Cash the ultimate motivator. Right, exactly. So it's a bonus. What about you, Jim? Well, I only have a sales team of one, but we, the way we look at sales here at Car is it's a team effort. Sales is a team effort. Although John might be in the role of sales and he's doing the most touching of the prospects and the customers, we support his efforts and quoting production. We believe that all the elements of the whole company are collaborative to help him in achieve his goals, which is ultimately performing and getting new sales. So what John and I do is we talk every morning typically anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. What do we have to do today? What's important? What do we got to get done? We talk about new prospects, new industries. So Uh, when you're saying, what do you got to get done? Are you talking about orders you already have that you got to get out the door and satisfy the customer? And follow up on delivery dates to make Sure. sure that the throughput is there. It's really important. And then at our weekly production meeting, John presents what he's done, what his how his prospecting has gone for the week. I share the quotes we got in the last week and the new jobs that we won this last week. So I, keep I thought you ab- said you talked you talk to him every day, though, you said, right? Right, but in our weekly production meetings with the entire team. Oh, so sales is part of your production meeting. Sales That's is part good. of our production It's good. Because Sometimes they're too disconnected, right? What we want the team, we want the shop floor employees to know what's happening on the sales because they may read an article, they may talk to their uncle, they might 
engage with somebody that has a, a pain point in production or manufacturing that everyone's the salesperson, right? So we feel that all of us collaboratively should be on the same page about what we're doing and sure. and why we're prospecting in these particular so industries. So for a smaller team like yours, you, yeah. you kind of do one meeting and you cover sales, you cover operations, you cover big picture strategy, and that's your weekly. Vision, growth, sure. So it's everything. like your, your L10 meeting. It's Yeah. And we talk about what tooling do we need? Do we need this? And right now we're talking, we, we've got a wish list on our new building and I want to extract ideas from the entire team. So when we do move, we've got some new ideas in place that we can really make the right decision on buying new things. Sure. So how do you handle your sales management, Nick? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the order of operations. But before I do that, I want to touch on four types of sales management that we would discuss in the meetings. The first is what typically people think of, which is territory management. But when you hear territory, the first thing that usually comes to mind is like a geographic territory. Sure. Right. But a territory could be like a customer type right. territory. So oh. territory management is all about allocating effort efficiently across the different types of customers. So one thing that we've been talking about doing is maybe having a dedicated person that just focuses on distributors and machine tool dealers. That would be his territory, even though it's not mm. like confined to you know Illinois, the or Midwest, or whatever. Or, yeah, exactly. yeah. So that's territory management. The next thing that we could talk about is account management, and that is where you're trying to maximize the long term value from a single customer. So that would be like for us if that. we do a lot of integration and stuff like that, and we're exactly. providing continuous improvement. You know, how can yeah. we drive their results, their right. business objectives, and then you know extract more? You almost value become from like an embedded part of their team. Exactly. So that would be more on the uh, that's more on the technical side. side. Yep. Yeah, yep. technical, more farming, more yep. more getting a bigger harvest from that field, if you right. will. The next one that we would talk about is opportunity management, and that's strategically navigating a multi-call sales cycle. So some things that come to mind is like when we're selling one of these big sawing systems, you know, it might be a $2 million fully automated sawing system for sawing rail or big steel billet or something like that. Mm -hmm. Those sales cycles can be years long. We planted that seed four years ago, and they, their operations got to the point where they need to make an investment, and it could take years. So you have a dedicated person that's in charge of just... No, no, not a dedicated person for each of these, but these are four types of sales management that we would discuss. Mm, okay, so okay. in our meetings, you know, when I'm working with the, the sawing group, we're talking a lot more on opportunity management than we would in another group because five or six key opportunities can make or break the whole year. Mm -hmm. Whereas like maybe with the work holding group, we're selling, you know, 10 tombstones a day. Gotcha. It's more about the, the significant opportunities in one group than it would be the other. So we focus more on that type of sales management. And then the last one is call management. And that is like, I'm sitting with my sales guy in the car. We talk about how we're going to plan and conduct the the interaction we're about to have with the customer. So oh, in advance of meeting yeah, them. You know, yeah. Before, we so do that you're, all you're the time, doing guys. a role playing in the car as you're go getting to the prospect. Yeah, what's the objective? What are, you know, some points we want to make right. sure we hit? Yeah, tell you me know, about this person. What you know? equals success? Is is success just continuation and getting another meeting after that or is success leaving with an order? Right. You know, and it's right. different based on the type of call. So yep. all of that is enhanced by something called Salesforce enablement, which is investing in improved execution of your sales team. And that could be things like CRM training, things like, I don't know if you guys remember with Wayne Breitbarth. Yeah, uh, I do remember him. You know, I had him do a one-on-one -on -one LinkedIn consultation with all of my guys to improve their social media. Side. How'd they do? 
it totally changed our company. I'm not exaggerating. It really cool. did. Our ability to get that initial appointment and to build those new connections got so much better after we added that new muscle to our skill set. So, yeah, that was going to be one of my questions: is how you organize all of these points from a from a sales management perspective. So we have a, a very particular order to our sales meetings, and we have two different types. How of often sales do you meetings. have your sales meetings? Every other week. Every other week, and how many people are total in this meeting? Well, so I have a one-on-one meeting with the regional guys who have a, a location-based territory. Okay. And then every other week, we have a business unit leadership meeting, and sales is similar to what you were talking about. Sales is one of the topics we cover in that whole leadership meeting. It's gotcha. an L10 meeting Okay. for those that understand what EOS is. Right. And so in the L10 meeting, we have, we have a sales focus at the business group level, and then with the regional guys, we have a one-on-one meeting every other week. And then occasionally I have a big group meeting with uh, all the regional guys. And so the order of operations for the sales meeting is, it, again, it's a results-based Totally, job. totally. So we always start with results. Like if it's every two weeks, we, we look at what sales for that person closed in the past two weeks. That's how we start. Not what we've invoiced, not what we've shipped, which just, is actually when their commissions get paid, but right, when, right. what orders did we receive? Right. So what's going to create- new purchase orders. Exactly. What's yeah. going to create the production backlog? Right. Exactly. And then, again, you can't really manage that. You That's what you want to change. That's the metric you want to It's move. hard to manage, let but, me tell you. But you can't manage the results. What you can manage is the activities that create the pipeline. Right. So the second thing that we do in our meeting is we review the pipeline. And pipeline is defined as all the opportunities that we haven't got an order for yet, but it's a it's a real tangible opportunity. So this wouldn't consist of an opportunity. If I had a conversation with somebody and they have a shop and it, we met each other and it was just, hey, oh, cool, you got a shop, I got a shop too. Right. That, that's not an opportunity. That's not an opportunity. Brand that's a prospect. building, networking. It, I don't it, even think it's a prospect. It could become a prospect. I well, guess. If you know the person, it's a prospect. Sure. If okay. you know, like for in my case, if I'm selling work holding for horizontal milling machines and I know they got 10 horizontals in their shop, he's probably a prospect. Somehow they got to put some fixturing on those machines. But it becomes an opportunity when there's a real case that could result in a purchase order. So Mm -hmm. he says, hey, you know, I'm getting two more Mazak horizontals and I'm going to need to tool them up. Well, boom, that's an opportunity. Do you rate your prospects Yes. Okay. I, my, well, my my individual like guys high, medium, do. low, or yeah. one, two, three, or exactly. one through ten, and and talk about it because yeah. sometimes I feel that you really need to hone in on a prospect that's really aligned with your a your culture. And what we always say is we're only going to prospect hard to the ones that respect our three uniques, which is our people, our communication, and our technology. Once we put them through the filter and they say yes to all three of those, then we really start heating it up. Sure. right. Because, you're talking about the meetings though, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the order of the meetings, but we, we would talk about kind of how they rank their prospects when we get into the third step in the meeting, which is the activities. So first we review their results. What creates results? What's in your pipeline? After the pipeline, we review the activities, which is what created the pipeline in the first place. That's what you actually can manage, is the activities. Mm-hmm. And then how do you track those activities? And if you don't have a CRM system, yeah. then <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, honestly, what are you going to do? Pen and paper. That's when I first started in sales, before we had a CRM, I would literally write like paragraph stories oh of my, my God, entire Nick. week and oh send it God. to my boss. 
And I knew he didn't read it. I knew there's no way he would have time to read it. No. And I knew also, not that I did this, but I, if I wanted to, I could just make up the whole thing. Yeah. And just make it look like I was really busy while I played FIFA on my PS4 all week, <laughs> you know? He wouldn't know the difference. Right. But with the CRM, everything is, is in there. Yep. And so how, do you, really how do you get buy-in for your sale? I mean, salespeople normally are very, very individualist people, and they're like, oh... There's not a, a science to sales. It's you know, it's all like how I do. And you know, a lot of people will try to really avoid using the CRM system. So how do you get them to buy into it? You make it about the data, and and you make it so that they can't even function. They can't even operate in these meetings unless they've used the CRM. Okay. So if I started with you and I was like, okay, Jason, what are your sales in the past two weeks? Let's look at your results. So when you go through these things, you go through it with each person individually. Yeah, they get, we, to, but but like as a group. Well, so we, everybody we do one on ones individually. And before I have my meeting with you, the day before, my customer success specialist sends the sales report to you and he sends it to me. So we have time to look at it and prepare for what we're going to talk about. Okay. That way you can pick out the ones like, oh, these closed sales, I want to talk about these three because there's future opportunity with them. Right. I want to talk about this one because maybe we were late on it. In the pipeline, I want to talk about these because I don't think we're going to close it unless we get some help, unless we can move the delivery up or mm-hmm. unless we can add this function to the fixture or something like that. We're probably okay. not going to close it. So we get the report sent to us and you pick out the ones that that you want to discuss with me. So if you weren't using your CRM and I was like, okay, so tell me about, you know, the top five that closed, unless you have a photographic memory or you have like five total opportunities to keep track of, which is a different problem, yeah. then you're not going to be able to answer it. And right. so then when we start talking about the pipeline, I'm going to try to figure out, is anything neglected in the pipeline? And the way we define neglected is do we, we put deals in there? Yeah. That, okay. We don't. We don't use that part of. You're HubSpot. talking about HubSpot. Yeah. Yeah. So our CR. I love HubSpot. CR. I know it's good. It's it's really intuitive. And some yeah. of the making chips clients use HubSpot and they love it too. Right. We are using a different CRM because it's connected to our ERP. But gotcha. It's called an opportunity. It's the same thing as a deal. How I make sure that it's not neglected is so if if Jason had an opportunity with company X Y Z, and he set an estimated close date, that's when he thinks he's going to get a commitment and order. And it's past the close date, but it's still open, meaning we haven't won it, right. we haven't lost it. It's neglected. You so you you tag it as neglected. Yeah. And here's okay. why. Okay. Why? Either adjust because the close can- date because they're going to buy it in the future, lose it because they're not going to buy it, or you've somehow someone missed it and we didn't win it in the CRM. So you're just flagging it because it needs to be addressed. Yeah, it just needs during, to be followed up on. Yeah. So right. the word that I use for something that's past the close date, but still open is neglected. And that's something I don't want to see any neglected opportunities. Mm -hmm. I want to know, you know, I thought I was going to get the order the first week in July, but it's looking like it's going to be September or whatever. Then just adjust the close date. It it kind of prompts follow-up. So so that's one, one way that we use CRM. And when we're focusing on pipeline, in the second stage of these meetings, we're focusing on what's neglected. We're also focusing on the probability like, so oh, what, do you rate probability? Yeah, and oh, it's really, really important Why? to me that they do that because I, I want to see how well each of my sales guys has an understanding of if we're going to get an order or not. So some guys are super optimistic. Yeah, we got this one. It's in the bag. And <laughs> that never you know, happens. It's like, okay, uh, we'll, I know. we'll wait till we see a PO, right? And others are like the opposite, and they're just like, I don't think we're going to get this one. And then that's the one that just pulls through, So by right? looking at the probability yeah. of all my different sales guys and kind of knowing, okay, he's historically been overly optimistic or he's historically been the other way, yep. I can start to like more accurately forecast what's going to happen because 
like I oh Jason's always like super optimistic or Jim's super pessimistic. So I'll I'll kind of in my head adjust. But that's just and, the it's just the opposite actually. I'm the optimistic <laughs> one and he's the pessimistic I'm one. I'm pretty optimistic. Okay. <laughs> so how do so I can see how that works for say like capital purchases and you know, where you, you have like a particular job you're trying to get. But what about like in the case of us where we're more managing an account from like the consumables that they purchase. Sure. So it's more like that kind of like that grocery store thing. You know, you go to the grocery store, you're getting your vegetables sure, and your meat because and there's your a dairy. Need. And like Jim's going and he's buying his drills and his taps and his end mills and his coolant and stuff like that. So it's more about the flow of of products that he's so buying on a regular case, basis. So in your case, I wouldn't put like the next end mill order that cars yeah that would be ridiculous i would not put that in the yeah. pipeline and be like 99 percent probability we're managing too many transactions as it is <laughs> right we don't need to for, make it for you complex. it would be more like net new accounts okay so i would be focusing on like okay uh, what's the probability that i'm going to land a brand new account okay but i mean for us it's even more important that we increase sales among accounts that already know sure. us so it's easier to do let it's me tell you of course the people that know you are easier to sell to yep yeah so for, so in that case probability probably wouldn't be as crucial as it would be for someone who's trying to get us uh, get you a brand new customer okay so how like if you were in my shoes how would you manage that that meeting and make sure that your sales team is using the crm so effectively? like when you're talking about results right and you mm-hmm. show the closed sales and whoever's got car you mm-hmm. know whichever one of your sales guys has car yeah it's you'd me be looking at the results <laughs> there you go. you'd be like jason self jim has bought this amount consistently for three years and we know he just invested in these new machines. How come our sales hasn't increased with it? And right. they have. Okay, right. self. He has. Thank you, Jim. They have. You know, <laughs> there's right. no problem. Yeah. But I, I would use the results and just see, like, as your customer is growing, are you growing with them? Right. Okay. And I, the pipeline, I think, would be less relevant for like more of the farming that you're describing. So. Right. Another thing I want to talk about is the difference between the group sales meetings we have and the individual sales meetings. The one on ones. Yeah. The one on ones. So. Because the previous that you were just talking about, was that an individual or was that a group? That was more, well, I follow the same structure in groups where it's results, opportunities, and activities. And as I follow in the one-on-ones. Okay. But you do it in the group setting, you do it all together? In the group setting, it's just key activities it's okay. not like it's high oh, level stuff it's like you're oh, not we have do, a big doing a deep... meeting with this big prospect right. and and that kind of thing okay it's more reporting yeah it, it's not like coaching on the messaging or you know exactly how you're going to do what you're going to do to get pipeline built mm-hmm. so in a group meeting that's when you want to praise the top performers People really like being exalted in front of their peers it means a lot to them you don't want to use the group meetings as a way to criticize someone who's not doing a good job. That's what you'll say for the I don't think you should ever do that in a group meeting, period. You shouldn't, right. No. So on the one-on-ones, you're going to go, dude, your results were bad, your pipeline's low, and I don't see a lot of activities. So what are you going to do to change that? You know, we mm-hmm. said r- sales is a high-risk, high-reward profession. Like, if you don't perform, you don't keep your job in sales. Mm-hmm. That's just the lo- yep. long and the short of it. it. It's that simple. And so, like, to break that down a step further, if you don't have strong activities... If, if what you're doing, if even if you're working your tail off all week and it doesn't create appointments, it doesn't create pipeline, my dad always likes to say, like, let's not confuse effort with results. <laughs> so someone can do be the hardest worker, be like the Rudy of the Notre Dame football team. And the fact of the matter is, if they don't have 10 tackles, 
it doesn't matter. You know, they're not going to start. They're not going to start on defense. Right. Well, I mean, I, I've listened to some of Dave Ramsey's advice as it relates to sales management as well. And one of the things that he always says is like when somebody comes to him and says, I'm going to do X, Y, Z in sales. And then he asks him how many sales calls he's going to make. And he, and he says, you know, like 10. He's like, well, you're not going to do it. Right. Oh, so I mean, like, those 10 sales calls does not equate yeah, to, the, need to do number, the number, you yes. know, or there needs to be a, just a bigger number. So, so there's a correlation between effort and results, but you need both. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? It's not one or the other. And that's why we have the the activity focus of, of the meeting. Cause we look at like, okay, so you're, I see you're putting in a lot of effort and those are the guys I want to work with. So on the individual meetings, we'll focus on like details. So like, let me see the messaging. You know, when you send an outreach email or when you make a new connection request on LinkedIn, like, let me actually see the messaging that you're using. And I've got a really good example with one of my guys. You're not asking your sales team to show you the messaging that they're engaging with on LinkedIn, are you? Yeah. Like, oh, like, really? Like if one of my sales guys was going to do an outreach to call. Really? Because it's, you're, like you said, do you kind of define the prospects that you really want to work with? Right. And let's say he does an outreach to you and he's like, I just can't get in the door there. You know, I may look at his messaging. And to go back to an example from recently, one of my sales guys had, hi, Mr. Customer or Mr. Prospect. I'd really love to steal a little bit of your time. That was how he started it. And just the, a little it's weak. A little nuance. No, I, I think like, it's strong. Don't put yourself... See, for me, I didn't like it. I did. No one wants no, anything it's, to be it's, stolen from. Yeah, it's... it's oh, don't okay. steal from me. And like, oh, it's, I, I told my guy... You I think it's like, aggressive? No, it just puts them in an no, inferior you're coming from position. position. You're coming from oh. a weak position because you're like, well... I'm not worthy of your time, right. but like I, I I'd like you to it. give it to me because oh, oh, you feel bad for me. Right. Oh, okay, gotcha. So what, what I worked with him on is I was like, look, if, if we get in there and we do what we know we can do for our customers, we're going to change their business for the good. They need to talk to you. That's the you, mindset you that think, you're... Like, this guy needs me. Yeah, that's the mindset that your good salespeople should have is that they're providing value to the client that is going to be surpass what they actually right. pay so for. So like, you know, I've got a really good reason why you should talk to me. And here it is. And make it about them. The one-on-one meetings, we would get into more of the detail. And in the group meetings, we talk more like big picture strategy thing, like explaining a new initiative and you know how they should go about it. Right. That's the difference between the group sales meetings and the individual sales meetings. Focus on the details with individuals. With the group, focus on bigger picture. Yep. With with individuals, that's when you need to like kind of criticize because you have to criticize in you know a constructive way. Right. And then in the group, that's when you promote someone who's really done a great job. Promote and praise. Exactly. And then at the end of the day, okay, we, we do our, our periodic meetings. We do our one-on-ones. And how am I going to assess if someone is doing a good job or not? Since we can't control results, and this is a COVID year, Right. Yeah, every, everything's different. Everybody's sales is down. And every, there's not a lot they can do about it. What are the performance criteria on my reports? Like at the end of the day, when I do a performance review, what are, what are the performance criteria? And they fall into three main categories. The first is new business development. That is like, how effective are you with prospecting? Do you select the right targets? What are your presentation skills like? You know, how do you manage a territory with thousands of accounts that you can't touch every single one? So how do you spread your effort across the territory? All of that is more focused on hunting, which is a bigger priority to me than farming would be. So new business development is the first group of performance criteria. The second is key account management. And that's more like what Jason was describing, you know, trying to get all the juice out of that orange, trying to trying to farm as much value as you can out of the customers you already have. Well, I, w- I would say making sure that you're providing 
the maximum amount of value that you can to an existing relationship. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the more value you provide, the more value you extract. Yeah. It's like if you're married and your wife is your best friend, why would you, or should be your best friend, why would you try to make that relationship like less than that? You know what I mean? Exactly. You should try to be having the best darn relationship you can have with your wife as possible. And the same thing with like a customer sales relationship. Marry your customers. Yeah, there you go. And date them even after you're married. So the third category is brand building. And that is just Content is everybody's job. It's not just the marketing department. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I'm what, interested to hear what you what is brand building. So it's uh, sharing these animations that Making Chips helps us create that show how our fixtures work. Oh, to a prospect. Yeah, just yeah. to their network. So sharing it on a one-on-one basis is more prospecting, but sharing it to the overall network and establishing yourself as someone who should be asked about. To, hey, can you teach me about that? Can you show me about that? If you're not establishing yourself as an expert or a thought leader in what you do, then why would someone want to talk to you? They don't need an order taker. They can do their own research. Right. So brand building is networking, going to events, dropping donuts off at that key customer here and there, supporting the marketing objectives. Great stuff, Nick. You know, having a like a customer success story, like what we did with you actually, Jim. Right. Instead of just selling you the product and be like, okay, that was great. Someone said, hey, you know, we should really do a story on that one. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're talking about your salespeople actually um, Yeah, they're participating in it. Yeah, because yeah. like, we can create all the content in the world and store it on our site, but our sales guys are, are literally our distribution channels, not just for our products and services, right. but also for the content that we create. Right. They got to get it out there. So if content is thought of as everybody's job, then you're going to have a lot of success there. So those are just some points I wanted to make about some things I've learned in, in sales management over Good the job. years. Well, thanks. It's very well put together. And I mean, I don't think that there was anything that I that stuck out. It's interesting to hear how you manage how many different salespeople. Well, I have five regional salespeople. Okay. And then I have five different business groups. Okay. So the, the business development leaders are like focused on a product type, product category sure. for all of North America. Right. And then the regional guy would, would be focused on all the different product types, but for a region. Gotcha. And so that, you know, they have to work together that so way. So how, how do you manage salespeople that are, you know, seemingly have the same role, but say you've got one guy who's like, well, I've, I've, I've spent so much time with this customer A that I don't have time to prospect for new customer versus the guy that's maybe in a, a territory that he's new to and he does, and he's spending the majority of his time there. How do you, how do you, how are you evaluating? Are you making the guy that's... How- My field guys, I want them to be hunting. Okay. So you're talking about you have different sales roles within yeah, that. Right. Okay. So it's important. Sometimes sales guys want to be intimately involved in every detail of every opportunity. And for me, it's like, okay, so you've gotten the customer. You've introduced them to the applications team. They have a one-on-one relationships with the engineer. You don't need to stay there and like you like we're going to get what we're going to get out of them. We're going to take care of them. You're not going to add any more value beyond that. Your role now is to go get that next customer. Mm-hmm. So they need to know like when it's time to kind of pull back. So you actually have like your ter- so you territory managers and your account managers are, are different people. Yeah. So, you know, there's some level of account management when you're a territory person. I, I would want to stay in copy and make sure things are going well, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to use that as an excuse to not get another customer. But like to your point, oh, I'm, I'm so busy managing this account. For me, it's like, no, go get another customer. The house is taking care of it. You're, we have a really talented team that is very customer centric mm-hmm. and you can pass the baton. Well, you have a bigger company too. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. That, I mean, because John does 
our territory management, but he's also doing a lot of account management as well. And that makes sense. And that starts to bleed off a little bit onto us a little bit too, production sure. and, and, and myself. But this is great, Nick. So Good to job. me, if, if the if the regional guy feels the need to manage the account, mm-hmm. it's showing me like, okay, well, we have an issue internally. Like he 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 doesn't feel like he can let go. Oh, so I need to like enable my hunters to hunt by making sure they're taken care of. Because there's been times where we've gotten on their case, like, hey, go get a new customer, and he's like, if I didn't make this happen, we would have dropped the ball. So it yeah. kind of diagnoses. It's it's like in sports, like if one position on the team isn't doing a good job, right. and the other guy stops playing his position to play that position. Well, right. now he's not playing his position. Right. You know, you fix the, where the the root cause of the problem. Mm-hmm. Do you use these activities, whether they're territory account management activities or opportunity management activities, to evaluate whether a somebody should get a raise or b somebody needs to be reprimanded or even like asked to exit the team? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we don't really give raises. They just make more commissions. Okay. So, you know, you pay yourself with your own money in many right. cases when okay. you're a sales guy. You make money and you get paid more. Okay. So I'm just trying to help them make as much money as possible. Yeah, because ultimately it's going to make you more, right? Yeah. It's going to make the company richer and healthier and more productive, right? Sure. And, you-, you know, the base salaries are pretty much fixed. We don't really adjust those. So but everybody what we do has the same base. Is like so, in some cases we've expanded territories. Well, if I can trust you with a three-state territory and you're doing a really good job, that's how you'll get the fourth or the fifth state adjacent to that. But if if you're not taking care of what we, you've already gotten, it's like the parable of the talents, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to give you more. Right, of course. So Everybody has the same base salary, but but people have the opportunity of making higher bonuses. Yeah, their base salary is fixed. They don't all have the same different territories, are more dense and, you know, more lucrative than others, but okay. they're, base, they're not, they're not going to get, like, a, a raise in their base every and, year. And do you have, like, a belief as far as the percentage of base versus variable pay that that somebody should have it's it's tough to really have a strong opinion either way Mm -hmm. because it depends on what the business is capable of producing like i was talking about the sawing machines there's just not that many steel mills in north america anymore so Mm -hmm. how much opportunity they're coming back for that they are hopefully right but it's a case by case basis and, and you really need to know your numbers so that you can you can figure that out but in general i'm not in favor of like a high fix that allows somebody to make the same amount of money, whether they're having tons of success or whether they're just coasting. So great. Good stuff, Nick. Well, nice job. Very good. Very good episode. I I did learn a few things and I think what you're doing is, is powerful and it's collaborative, which is really important. And, Obviously, your company's growing, so you're doing something right. So what, what kind of changes, as just as like a closing question so we can end this episode, but I know that you put a lot of time into making some of these changes to where you are now. What does it look like now versus how it was before? Like, what, pre, were those pre, transitions, what was that transition that you made? Not necessarily pre-COVID, just pre, say, Nick taking over the sales management. So when we first started, I told you about how I used to have to write call reports yeah, like with paragraphs and right. just send emails. Yeah. So... I started, you know, we have a very like lean culture, you know, yeah. where th- we think about metrics a lot. And I was like, okay, well, how am I being managed? Right. Like we talked about, you know, a lot of these results I don't control. So what are the performance criteria for myself? So when I was a field sales guy, it was really important to me, you know, being the CEO's son, that like I was doing a good job and that I knew, you know, you had to prove what yourself. mattered. Yep. And so I had to introduce the CRM. And once you introduce the CRM, if you have somebody who cares about data and cares about, you know, continuous improvement, mm-hmm. that ad- adoption of the CRM will really drive yep, I agree. all the improvement from there. But like powerful. you said, Jim, I mean, none of this is mind-blowing. It's oh not. my gosh, like I can't believe that that works. It's all about consistency. I could not and agree And execution. More. Yep. So 
Like we say, if you're not consistent, you're not making chips. And if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. 